Can veterinary continuing education survive the pandemic? What will happen when we return to in-person conferences? Will virtual conferences persist or go away or thrive? This week, we discuss all of that and so much more on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And once again, we are back to our dear friend COVID-19 and the effects that it is having around the world, but more specifically in our profession. And this week, we want to have a conversation around what will happen to continuing education. Will requirements be forever relaxed and allow us to do more virtual online learning? What about the value? Who will pay? How much will it cost? What about a synchronous learning? Can we do things at our own pace? This week, we really want to discuss some of the things that we see happening in the profession and what we think will happen in 2021 and beyond. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this conversation was really prompted by a couple of experiences that you've had recently, and it got us thinking about, wait a second, how broadly will some of these changes be applied? And I think the first thing I want to want to kind of dive into is, is tell us a little bit about, you know, what you've been seeing. I mean, you helped start a virtual conference this year, which I was uh, honored to be a part of, but explain a little bit about what's happening with this shift from physical in-person conferences to online and virtual meetings. Sure. I think like a lot of folks know, I mean, we started Vet Team Global Stream in in response to the pandemic back when we thought it was going to be like a few weeks, maybe a few months. (laughs) And we still wanted to make sure people were getting education opportunities. And then we were like, man, this is really cool because we'll be able to reach people globally through this conference long term and we can really move the needle on education. And that was really exciting. Now what I'm noticing is in again in response to the pandemic it being extended like you know we we're calling it like right. our new normal at this point um all of the conferences have shifted and and even with um you know VMX being half in person half online number 1 we saw the CE requirements say okay for for 2020 you can get as much online as you need obviously right and this past weekend, um, vet shows was, um, you know, Thursday, th- Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend. And, and you know, vet shows is like one of the newest, sexiest up and coming conferences. I'm very honored to work with their tracks and um, was honored to speak at the conference as well. And, you know, I was accompanied by all of the the same folks, many of the same folks that, you know, we're at conferences with all the time because they're the leaders in education. And Vet shows was free. Right. Anybody could attend it. It was great CE. Some of the most amazing speakers. They they did a pumpkin carving contest. They did yoga. And I started to think to myself, like, this is a way, you know, Vet Team Global Stream aside, that, you know, all of these conferences are going to be able to start offering this really high-level education globally. And this is a real opportunity for the veterinary industry. Okay. And that leads us to the first point of 
potential contention, and that is around cost and value. Because traditionally, most of us in the veterinary profession are used to paying money to go to a conference. We're used to paying, we have a budget, quite frankly, of how much we allow our doctors and veterinary technicians for continuing education every year, right, Becky? I mean, so there's a, you know, you're expected, you're going to spend $1,000, $1,500, $2,000, right, every year on continuing education. The first issue is what happens if it's free? Now, I worry, Becky, that that what happened this past weekend with vet shows is a clear signal about the value of continuing education. Are we going to somehow condition veterinary professionals to say, well, wait, why was I paying a thousand or two thousand dollars a year when I could actually get it for free? Um, so I, I yes, and I don't want to disagree, but like most of the technicians I know don't have a CE budget. And on top of that, the assistants really don't. Right. So one thing that I have found and, and you know, the credentialed, non-credentialed argument that happens all the time is that one place that a real line gets drawn is the only the credentialed individuals in the practice are allowed to get continuing education. Now, I have seen a shift where now practices who are ahead of the curve are saying we require it of everybody. Right. It's harder to get if you're in, you know, reception. It's harder to get if you're an assistant because you need something that you can actually relate to and understand on your level. And these conferences are stepping up and doing it. And so so I guess the first thing I want to say is that most people don't have a budget. So what they're doing, I would say the majority anyway. So so what they're doing is is really kind of insanely impactful. But then again, you're yes. Like, I think if you're a practice owner and you can write <laughs> off your registration and you can write off your hotel and you can write off your airfare, great. But like when you're a technician, maybe you you get $500, maybe you get $1,000. But guess what? That's not going to cover your pet sitter. That's not going to cover the babysitter. You might not get to go because you're a single parent. Um you might not get to go because you're working two and three jobs trying to make your ends meet. <laughs> so super duper, thanks for my thousand dollars. I'm never going to get to use. Yep. So I think this is actually, you know, broadening the horizons of the opportunity for education. And I can't honestly prioritize the concern of the cost versus value in that way. Yeah, and that's a great point. So the first thing I want to point out with viewfinders is the fact that Becky's right. Most of, of our peers just don't have a budget for this. So, you know, you know, if you do, you know what I'm talking about. But regardless, there's been a cost associated with keeping your license current, whether you're a licensed veterinary technician or a veterinarian. And so there's been a cost associated with that. Now, Becky, what I'm going to argue is that if I'm an owner or a practice manager and there are free options available that meet your licensure requirements, I'm like, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to pay for the free. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that's one thing. The other part, though, is the value proposition. You know, we, we know that this is why people like me have told, you know, veterinary professionals for decades, you know, you can't give it away because you're not creating any value there. And so I do, I do think that that there is a little bit of a risk, you know, involved. Uh, I, I don't know what it means. I, I, I fear Becky quite strongly that we're going to devalue what continuing education really is about and, and what it's supposed to be. So, you know, it, you know, I know for a lot of my my colleagues, they feel it's a burden. It's like a regulation. They just have to jump through this hoop. But I really see this as an opportunity for growth. So I, I want to, you know, the value proposition is something I, I think we have to consider, but I've got more. Well, I guess what is the value of education then? Because right. I, I I think that there are so many people who are like conferences are never going to go away for me because of the social factor, because of right. the community factor. Um, 
But to me, I'm thinking to myself, the person, honestly, I feel like these are an opportunity to get inundated with um, merchandise and with advertising and that these conferences are very much centered around sponsors. And for the first time ever, the sponsors are the ones that are sort of being left out and the education is on the forefront. And so... um, as a technician, I think I, I think I'm like, well, what? It, yes, it is the value proposition is actually focusing on the education and not necessarily the sponsors, which I That's think is is point. pretty astounding yeah. um, for the first time. Number two, um, I don't know. At I I feel like we are. I don't know exactly how to say it, but like the focus has not been right. But at the same time, what we can't lose the social and the support factor either, because to me. Maybe that is the value of these in-person conferences is I think of how many times I've seen technicians who are getting the party of their lifetime, right? The party that they're going to get to because the vet is going to take them with them one time every five years or something. And they're having the most fun. And so I to me, the in-person element is the social factor way more than the education factor. Oh, Becky, I have said for for decades, literally, that I, the reason I love being an educator, the reason I love continuing education for my staff, myself and so forth, is it's probably the only excuse you really legitimately have to like take some time off. And so while I know that we're actually sitting in classrooms and learning and all that stuff, but there are so many other benefits to it. The other part of this equation, though, is who pays for it? Because when it's free or at a greatly reduced cost to participants, that means, as you said, Vicki, this is where sponsors start to kick in. And I think right now there's a bit of a hangover. So these people have budgets. They've already committed to continuing education, to supporting different conferences. What happens, Becky, if this thing drags on or if this becomes, as you said, the new normal two, three years from now? Are, peop- are, are big pharma, big food, big companies in the veterinary space going to continue to budget to pay for these types of, of events? I mean, and that's it. That's been the biggest struggle. And with us as Vet Team Global Stream, it was like one of the first ones and they'd done a couple online conferences and I'll tell you, the ROI for these guys is not big right now. It's it's not big at the virtual conferences. You're just not driven to the vendors the same. They're trying to do giveaways and they're and they're trying to to push it. But I think it is really really hard in the vendor space. And I think that's probably where the biggest change is going to come and the biggest difficulties are going to come. But I also have to say, I think there's a lot a lot of money that just kind of gets thrown away. I mean, when I think about think about the last day of these conferences, how yeah. many journals and pens and things that are just being literally thrown away because it's cheaper to toss them than ship them. Um, there's a lot of waste involved there. And so the, and, but the economies are also hit. Like yeah. can I imagine or being around the OCC right now? So this is one of those, like, again, full circle things that it's just like, it makes my head spin because so much good and so much bad, I think are being done at the same time. And this is our new normal and things are really being shook up. So I think cost value proposition, all that, those are going to be real issues. Viewfinders. I, I don't have the answers. Becky doesn't have the answers yet. We're working on it. But, you know, I think these are things we've got to start to ask ourselves. How does this sustain itself for the next decade if we are shifting towards this? The other thing I want to kind of also look at, Becky, is just from a regulatory perspective. You know, there are some states that require veterinarians to sign off that they were in person, physically in a lecture hall for a set amount of time to get their CE certificates at the end of the year and to retain their licensure. How will this work moving forward? I mean, so now you're going to have legions of veterinary professionals who have said, look, I learned a lot online this year. 
I think it's ridiculous that you're requiring me to go and sit in a, in a hallway somewhere costing a lot of money, all that stuff, the value proposition. Becky, I mean, do you think that states are going to start to revisit what their requirements are for CE for veterinary professionals? I don't know. And, and part of the reason is because they change. And I mean, at least here <laughs> right. in North Carolina, I know we really struggle in the change department. Um, and I think because we do have folks who are going to argue um, because they lean into their conferences. I mean, when you think about this for a lot of um, associations, I think the conferences and the sponsorships that go along with them are are truly what fund a lot of the organization activities and, and it will be very devastating to not. So I think there's an economic factor that says, can we afford to support this change because it, it pads our pockets? Um, that being said, you know, I, I think that how can we make it more convincing to keep it accessible? Because we have to know that the majority of the industry is not going to get to those big conferences. And so even if we still, you know, push forward with the in-person, how can we convince and and um, adapt in a way that we still keep it online and available Um and, and, you know, um, and, and work with our VMAs to help them and, and our boards to help them understand the greater need. And, and ugh, I don't know, because changing medical boards is a really hard thing to do. And for yeah. some folks, this could be written into practice acts and then it's legal changes. And, you know, um, it, 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 it's 20 fold. Yeah. And it takes years to, to make those kind of changes. What I, the changes I'd like to see viewfinders are sort of an increase in the allowances towards virtual, because I think like Becky, that this broadens the accessibility. Like that's really, we want more people to be exposed to new concepts, new thoughts, new products, new services, new ways of doing things, yada, yada. We really believe that's important to broaden the access. You, how do you do that? Well, you make it virtual and you make it cost effective. So it's cheaper, right? The other part of that is to somehow look at you know, okay, if we broaden this, so can we reduce those costs and still make a profit at the end of the day? This benefits, you know, a, a manufacturer because if you can say, hey, we've got, you know, 500 people that show up in person, so you can have a booth if you want. And then we've got a thousand people that show up online, which, you know, you have access to their information. You can send them messages. You can interact with them however you want. You can give giveaways, whatever. You can sponsor a track. I mean, I think that we're really going to wind up with this hybrid, you know, sort of, format, which we're already seeing, right? I mean, we saw this uh, coming up with Gene O'Neill. We talked to him from who's the CEO of VMX. They're doing a hybrid. You just did it this past weekend. Well, actually, yours was all online, right, Becky? Yeah. Yeah. So so I think you're going to start to see this sort of amalgam of, okay, we're going to have some in person, some out of, you know, online or whatever. And then this leads me to the last part of this. It's the I think that the real value of these types of events being online, at least in some fashion, is you can do it asynchronously. That means that you don't have to set aside Monday morning or the entire day of Monday when you're so busy at your clinic. You could actually watch a lecture Monday night and then another lecture on Wednesday morning when you're off or whatever. Right. I mean, I think that that is a real value, because if I'm a state medical board, my goal is to say, I want to make sure I provide the best medical services for the public. And how do you do that? By educating. And I think that I really want to broaden access. I mean, I, I sound like a broken record here, but however I can do that, I can do that. Now, that leads me to another question, another potential problem, Becky. What about wet labs? Yeah. And, and that's just it. I think it's not completely replaceable no matter what. Um, it's But then again, 
I think about the way that online learning is working and and they're getting kits and they're sending them around and there's more, you know, augmented reality. And so, again, I don't think you're ever going to be able to replace that one on one learning. But again, depending on your learning style, depending on adaptation, I I mean, again, I think wet labs are going to have to continue to be in person. But how can we accommodate them if we're not going to have these big conferences or you know, will we lean more into the companies to having smaller events on a more regular basis? Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, as a, as a chair member of uh, the Southern European Veterinary Conference, SEVC, held in Spain every year, this is already we're already confronting this for 2021 because obviously 2020, we're all virtual. And so how do we fund wet labs? Wet labs cost a lot to put on. And then, you know, we have these wet labs, Becky, that we think are a great idea and nobody shows up. So that means that we lost money on that wet lab, you know? And so, you know, how does this, how will this sort of temper expectations moving forward? My real fear is that some of these amazing wet labs that we really desperately need in, in our profession and by wet labs, you finders, we're not talking about like, you know, experimenting on, and doing live animal surgeries and all that kind of, no, we're, we're talking about actually handling procedures. You know, we're learning diagnostics, looking in microscopes, you're reviewing radiographs, images, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the wet labs sounds terrible, but it's actually not like that at all. But when we get back to that, there is such high value to those types of learning experiences. And Becky, that, I will tell you, when I'm looking forward, that is what I'm trying to preserve. What I think is actually going to happen is you're going to kind of see what Western has done with their little uh, center, you're going to actually say, you know what, this year I'm going to go somewhere and learn the latest in radiographic interpretation techniques. And you're just going to go park yourself in Las Vegas for a week, you know, and say, that's my CE, as opposed to trying to pick it up at this conference and a little bit over at that conference and so forth. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think when you think about the cost of wet labs on top of registration and going and doing a lot of times, I think, especially again, on a technician or assistant budget, you probably aren't getting to do the wet labs as part of the big conference. You probably are out of budget. So I think the ability to go, um, you know, they do the um, vet tech symposium at the Aquindo Center Mm -hmm. um, and it's all hands on lab and the people that go, it sells out very quickly. The people that go, they learn immense, amazing skills. And yeah, I think that learning is going to become more specialized, just like veterinary medicine in general. And localized. And I think that's going to be the cost savings uh, benefits. That was really where WVC saw far ahead into the future by securing their own facility. They were able to, of course, you know, distribute costs uh, over over years. And so they can uh, offer some affordable options. You know, that's one of the, the also the vulnerabilities of, of conferences like VMX, like our SEVC, because we make, you know, we make arrangements with large conference centers for X number of years at X number of, of cost. And, you know, Becky, if, if, who knows what's going to happen in five years, but most of us already have a lease facility, you know, that's we've, we've looked ahead for five years. So this, this really gets, you know, a little bit frightening. You know, what I really, I, as you said in our pre-call, Becky, it's like, which of these conferences will survive if this thing drags on, if we're still in this time next year where people are you know, starting to get vaccinated, but still their travel bans or restrictions or people are still just concerned about moving freely about, you know, who's going to survive? Right, Becky, because I don't know that a lot of these conferences have the financial reserves to sustain themselves, you know, for another couple of years. You know, I think back to when we interviewed Gene O'Neill, um, in the very beginning when he took over and well before COVID, 
And I remember just the soundbite of him saying, you know, NAVC really is VMX. Um, without VMX, it's, it's, it's it, it, I mean, he literally said those words and they echo in my head um, whenever I think about the conference and it, it, it weighs heavy on my heart because it, the truth of the matter is, is for a lot of, um, you know, WVC, VMX, um, Fetch, a lot of these conferences are the conference. And so without these conferences, I, I just don't know how they can be sustainable. Um, and then you think about the impact of all of the small businesses around them and the larger businesses. And this could be really devastating. So um, I think it's a very serious topic. I think they're, you know, I'm I'm currently in uh, policy analysis in my, right. in my undergrad. And uh, this is this is one thing that could really be um, looked at from a lot of different angles. And no one's going to come out a winner. That's, I think, at the end of the day, um, there's going to be winners and losers in this in this deal because it's never going to be the same again. Yep, I agree with that. Although there is a potential winner and you are the one who has highlighted this from day one. And those are the the veterinary technicians and veterinarians that are feeling isolated or literally isolated in Minnesota, South Dakota, you know, Iowa. And, and they now have access, as you mentioned, to like world class education. So that is a potential upside to it. There's still a lot of details to be figured out before this actually, you know, works. And then the final thing I want to talk about today, Becky and and, and that is, um, I know you've hinted at this already, but can you learn as well by watching a video conference as you can by sitting in a classroom? And I know that the first thing that people will say as a criticism of that, that, that idea is they'll say, well, look, it's the same information. The people are transferring the same information. You know, the only thing that you're saying, Ernie, is it's a different location. But I don't know, Becky, you know, as a person who has been giving, you know, CE for over 20 years to veterinary professionals all around the globe, there is a different energy when we're together in a room. I'm reading the room. I'm going off on tangents based on conversations or questions that are coming out of the room versus I mean, I've given, oh, good Lord, I don't know, uh, well over 100 webinars. And, you know, yeah, we have the chats and so forth. But it, I don't know, Becky, there seems to be a different energy in the room when it's in person. For you. The difference is, <laughs> right, and the right. thing that I have been trying to focus on, because I'm like you, I need the energy, I need the people, I need the eye contact, but we're the presenters. So, yeah, sitting in, and presenting to my computer screen with my Italian hands over here, right? Like just <laughs> right. talking into space uh, is not nearly as fun for me. And, you know, the 30 second delay when I ask a question that I can't just stand there and wait on, you know, so I'm right. having to like move on, but try to interact in the chat. It's it's brutal. But that being said, everybody learns differently. So now I'm thinking about the person who like got there early, but then somebody late comes in and sits next to them and they have like perfume on and they're getting like a migraine or the person <laughs> sat in front of them so or they true, missed, so true. you know, like what did the speaker say? I, I missed that because the people behind me are talking. Um, so I, I think yeah. everybody learns differently and there is the ability to like pause, rewind, um, really soak in that information, take the notes. I, I mean, I know I, I've had people come even in my webinars and say, can I get those notes? I, I couldn't I could not write my notes as fast enough. I had over 900 people attend my vet shows, um, Perils of Parasites talk. I, I mean, wow, that right. 900. That is not something I could ever do in any conference, you know, unless I'm the keynote. So right. I, I honestly I'm like. 
maybe because 900 people got to like yep. you see what i'm saying it's, that's broadening the accessibility to yeah, it that's, uh, i love right. that right and they get to and they get to learn on their terms so um some people do learn better alone some people do learn better in groups so, so i don't know i don't want to say it is for me as a presenter please please can we go back in person but for as that. as learners i think there is um some debatability there yeah you're right and so viewfinders we'd love to hear from you about that like you know, what do you think about that? You're right. Becky and I have this limited perspective. Uh, you know, we've probably presented way more CE than we've actually done for ourselves. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to, you know, because it's just the fact of life. And I, I, that's a really, really great point. I will say that, that I think where the future hope lies is with a richer online experience. Like right yeah. now, the technology this year has been sometimes catastrophic, sometimes just okay, but it's not excelling. And so what I'm hopeful is that A, internet bandwidth will pick up and then B, we will actually be able to have more immersive VR types of relationships. I mean, heck, I use online, you know, not only Peloton, but Zwift, you know, and Sufferfest and all these other online training tools. And those are real world, you know, realistic worlds where I get to interact with people, even though it's not live. So, and, and sometimes it is live, of course, on Peloton, but you know, Becky, we got to get to that level, I think. Yeah. And I think um, as Vet Team Global Stream, that was what we identified really quickly was that if if virtual reality and augmented reality will absolutely be the future of online learning to create these more enriched experiences. Um, and, you know, it, it might just be where the world is going when we look at these types of situations that are, are not going to go away. I mean, pandemics are, are not going to go away. Um yeah. So it's, it's an amazing, it's a, it's a brave new world. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the final thing I just want to leave us with uh, to think about, because this will directly relate to CE and that is the economy, because yeah. right now, you know, we've sort of been printing money in the U S don't want to get into the politics of it. Having said that, you know, we are incurring debt, so we cannot just continue the way we are. There are tens of millions of, of Americans out of work right now. And, you know, we don't know when they're going to be able to go back and, and make a living. So, you know, Becky, what I do worry about is let's say that the economy, you know, doesn't tank, but it just doesn't grow or it just kind of stalls and just kind of hangs out, you know, for like it is for a while. Um, you know, that's going to have direct impacts on the money that we're making in veterinary medicine, the money that we can then spend on CE. It's going to impact, you know, the cost for CE to be conducted in person. I mean, so all of those economic pressures are also going to lead people to say, what's, how can I save money and still deploy this type of, of program? And that's when they're going to start, you know, again, leaning in more and more heavily into online offerings because it's cheaper. Yeah. And then I think, you know, we're already talking about like Zoom burnout and it'll be interesting to see yeah. how that ebbs and flows, because I think at some point we will kind of have this online learning burnout, right? Where at first it is very nice, but then we do, we are becoming, you know, tired of, of the lack of interaction and, um, you know, we really want to stand in line for free drinks and concerts. So, right, you know, uh, right. those days, <laughs> those days will return. I think I honestly, I think it's all about balance and, and the swing of the pendulum. Um, I think more than anything, it's about keep your head up, 
I think it's about focus on the positive. Pull out every positive that you can from this situation. Wear your mask. <laughs> that's right. Well, viewfinders, we have had a great time talking to you about this. This is a topic that's not being discussed, but we think it has huge ramifications and impacts for the profession moving forward. Continuing education is just a foundation of progress within any veterinary discipline. And so we think that, you know, we don't want it to go away, but we want it to be better, but we don't know what it looks like. And we think there's going to be some challenges ahead. So we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think about virtual online learning. Do you think that there's value there? Do you think that this has somehow changed how much you'd be willing to pay to go to a conference somewhere across the country this week or this year or next year or whenever you can actually get out and go? We really want to hear from you. That's right. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We really appreciate if you head over to iTunes, uh, leave a comment and a star. I know um, actually all five stars, if you if you don't mind more than a star, would be great. I know we, you know we ask for that, but it really does help move us up in the charts to help other folks see our content and to listen to the podcast. And um, personal plug, if you haven't already, head over to Facebook, check out Veterinary Industry Giving Tree. Make sure you nominate a family in need this year or share with your colleagues. Yeah, it's a fantastic program. So proud of you, Becky, for putting that together. 860 folks on there in about a week and um, we've got over 150 givers and uh, about 28 families in need so we are we're moving and shaking fantastic and again definitely check it out because this is to help our people right this is Becky is saying look you know there's going to be a lot of veterinary professionals and their families that maybe are going to be suffering this season than we haven't in the past and so this is a way for us to give back to our community which I think is super it's amazing important. Yeah. yeah that's right well guys stay safe please please let us know what you think about virtual online learning we can't wait to talk to you next week this is episode 205 becky i cannot believe it so thank you guys for your loyal listening until next week bye everybody bye and we're clear i like that